It is good to see all of you here this morning, and we are glad that you are here with us. Today's lesson will conclude our series, or at least our lessons on numbers. We'll move on to the book of Deuteronomy, Lord willing, next week. Uh, but it's been very interesting to me because numbers is often seen as one of those books that is hard to understand, and yet we found uh, enough in it to make four lessons. And so uh, today we're going to get into the Balaam incident and the preparations to enter Canaan. Um, but just looking at what we've already looked at as well, giving you that, that brief outline once again. Uh, we looked at the preparations for the wilderness, uh, how they prepared uh, for that. Of course, they, they didn't plan on being in the wilderness all that time. But the spies came back with a bad report, ten of them out of twelve. And the people believed them, and they ended up in the wilderness. And that was in chapters 1 through the beginning of chapter 10. And we picked up in the middle of chapter 10 with the wanderings. And that continued through chapter 21. And then we, today, will come to the Balaam incident of chapters 22 through 25. And the preparations to enter Canaan in chapters 26 through 36. Last week we looked specifically at Aaron's budding rod and how it was given as a sign to the people that Aaron had been chosen by God. We also noticed Moses' error at Kadesh and how he sinned against God by not doing what God asked him to do. By striking a rock rather than speaking to it as God had commanded. And we also looked at the bronze serpent. And we also looked at how that applies to even our salvation as it is mentioned also in John chapter 3. So today we pick up in chapter 22. And I would encourage you if you have your Bibles or you can use a pew Bible. Uh, but follow along with us. Numbers is the fourth book of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And today we begin our study in chapter 22. Here we have Balaam and I'll be honest with you there are certain things in Scripture that puzzle me and Balaam has always puzzled me to some degree and even after studying it for this lesson and studying it previously there are some things about Balaam that still puzzle me. But I will present to you what I do know from Scripture and see what we can learn from him. Here we have Balaam who is hired by Balak to curse Israel after they camped in the plains of Moab. And as we get a little bit further into chapters 23 and 24 specifically, uh, we find that, that there are some prophecies that are given by Balaam. He is not necessarily a prophet of God. As a matter of fact, he is not even of Israel. But he seems to be uh, of maybe Moab or, or something of that nature. But he is a, a foreigner to Israel is what we find. And so Balak comes to him and Balak is hiring him to do a job basically. He wants him to curse Israel. Israel is an enemy nation to the Moabites. And so ba Balaam 
is hired to curse them. We begin in verse 2 of Numbers 22. Verse 2 of Numbers 22. Now Balak the son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites and Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. We'll come to verse 5. Then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Baor, at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of the people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me. They are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand. And they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. Moab was faced with a similar situation that Egypt had been faced with. Israel was great in number, and as they had kind of moved in on them. They were worried. They're going to consume all that we have. They're, they're going to take over. And we need to take care of this. And the way that, that the king of Moab had, had decided to do this, the way that Balak had decided to do this was put a curse upon them. And Balaam, to his credit, he says, I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. Inquiring of the Lord, Balaam is initially told not to go and not to curse Israel, and he doesn't. But we come to verse 20 in chapter 22. And in verse 20, it says that God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. And what we find in the latter part of chapter 22 is a rather bizarre turn of events, at least from human standards. Not bizarre when we think of God being involved, but we're going to encounter a talking donkey. Yes, that's what it says. And in Numbers 22, beginning with verse 22, then God's anger was aroused because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. 
The donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So we can imagine he had this obstacle and the animal sees the obstacle and turns away from it. Well, the problem here is that Balaam doesn't see the obstacle. Balaam doesn't see the angel of the Lord right away. And so all he's experiencing is this donkey that he is riding, turning, turning off and going into a field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. In the latter part of verse 23. Verse 24, the angel of the Lord stood in the narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. Previously the donkey had been able to go one way or the other. But this time there is nowhere to turn. And in verse 27, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with his staff. And then the rest to us would almost seem as something in a cartoon or a movie. The Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, verse 28, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, verse 29, Because you have abused me, I wish there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. So the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said, No. And the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would also have killed you by now and let her live. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. And maybe it was that the anger of the Lord was aroused against him because of the way. It sounds that it was because of the way that he left and his intention in doing so. His intent, uh, most likely, to curse Israel. And so his eyes were opened... The angel of the Lord was in front of him and told him what he should do. It, it almost seems as if Balaam is not at all surprised by this donkey speaking. Uh, I, I can't imagine what it would be like for an animal to speak to, to me. But, but anyway, 
He is told to go and to deliver the words of the Lord. And we pick up in verse 38. And Balaam said to Balak, Look, I have come to you. Now have I any power at all to say anything? The word that God puts in my mouth, that I must speak. So Balaam went with Balak, and they came to Kirjath Huzoth. Then Balak offered oxen and sheep, and he sent some to Balaam and to the princes who were with him. Speaking the words of the Lord, we come to chapter 23, and we read the first prophecy. Prophecy number 1 begins at verse 7. Numbers 23 and verse 7. And he took up his oracle and said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come, curse Jacob for me, and come, denounce Israel. That's what has been told him. And in verse 8, this is what he says in reply. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. There, a people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob, or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my end be like his. Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies, and look, you have blessed them bountifully. So he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth? Come to prophecy number 2 and verse 18. Numbers 23 and verse 18. Then he took up his oracle and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of the king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. For there is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It it now must be said of Jacob and of Israel, Oh, what God has done! Look, a people rises like a lioness and lifts itself up like a lion. And it shall not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. And Balak said to Balaam, Neither cursed him at all, nor blessed him at all. So Balaam answered and said to Balak, Did I not tell you, saying, All that the Lord speaks, that I must do. And let's go ahead and read the other two prophecies as well. Prophecy number 3 begins at chapter 24 and verse 3. Then he took up his oracle and said, The utterance of Balaam, the son of Baor, the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. And he shall pour water from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations, his enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. 
He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse them. Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. And Balak's anger was aroused against Balaam, and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies, and look, you have bountifully blessed them these three times. Now therefore flee to your place. I said I would greatly honor you, but in fact the Lord has kept you back from honor. And in verse 15 of chapter 24, So he took up his oracle and said the utterance of Balaam the son of Beor, and the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. And better the brow of Moab, and or batter the brow of Moab, and destroy all the sons of Cumult. And in the, the next few verses, an additional curse is announced upon the nations of Edom, Amalek, and the Kenites. But a puzzling thing about Balaam is that we have this, this situation where he is hired to curse Israel. Not only does he not curse Israel, but he blesses Israel instead at the word of the Lord. He speaks the word of the Lord. And he gives this blessing upon God's people. But what really is puzzling about Balaam is his end. Because his end is not that of a prophet. It's not that of a righteous man, really. Well, let's look at Numbers chapter 31. We're going to fast forward here to Numbers 31. We're going to go back a little bit in a moment. But in Numbers 31, beginning with verse 5, So there were recruited from the divisions of Israel 1,000 from each tribe, 12,000 armed for war. Then Moses sent those to the war, or sent them to the war, 1,000 from each tribe. He sent them to the war with Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, with the holy articles and the signal trumpets in his hand. And they warred against the Midianites, just as the Lord commanded Moses, and they killed all the males. They killed the kings of Midian with the rest of those who were killed. Evi, Rechem, Zer, Hur, and Reba. The five kings of Midian. Balaam, the son of Baal. They also killed with the sword. And a few verses later, in verses 15 and 16, we read this about Balaam. Numbers 31, verses 15 and 16. And Moses said to them, Have you kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. As we look at at Balaam, we see that it seems, at least from what is said, that his counsel was an encouragement for them to go into harlotry, to go into idolatry and things of that nature. These women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam 
to trespass against the Lord. It doesn't sound like a prophet of God, does it? And certainly his end, at least his earthly end, was not that of a prophet by any means as he was killed. Balaam is a a puzzling case. And I can't give you all the answers, but I can give you what the Word of God says. There are great lessons that we can learn from Balaam in that he spoke the words of the Lord, but in his later life we see that that he was not a a righteous man. Then we come to the final section of the book of Numbers and we begin with the preparations to enter Canaan. The preparations uh, for Israel to enter Canaan. So as we look at chapters 26 and, and going forward through the end of the book, we see that because a new generation had risen, the people of Israel, uh, namely the fighting men, which is really the reason for a census in the first place, but the fighting men were, were renumbered. They needed to be renumbered uh, because this is a different group of men. And this time it included the Levites. And if you'll remember that the, the tribe of Levi was not included in the initial census, going back to chapter 2 and verse 33. Now of the previous generation, only Joshua and Caleb remained to enter Canaan. Only Joshua and Caleb. Now Moses, at this point in Numbers, is still alive. He is still with the people, but we know that he is not going to be allowed to enter the land of Canaan. And we'll see more of that when we get to Deuteronomy. But Joshua and Caleb, they were still there, just as God had promised by the Lord. Or just that it had been promised by the Lord. Numbers 26 and verse 65. The tribes of Reuben and Gad here, uh, we have an interesting uh, bit uh, of events here in chapter 32. The tribes of Reuben and Gad requested not to be among those going into Canaan to possess the land of promise suggesting instead that they settle east of Jordan. And we find this in chapter 32. Uh, What's interesting uh, about this is that that basically what they're saying is, y'all go ahead of us. We'll just stay back here and and you go and and you take the land of Canaan and, and we'll remain where we are. We'll remain in the east of Jordan. Well, that's going to pose a problem for Israel and Moses tells them why. In Numbers 32 and verse 6, Numbers 32 and verse 6, And Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? Thus your fathers did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshcol, and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel so that they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. So the Lord's anger was aroused on that day, and He swore an oath, saying, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt, from twenty years old and above, shall see the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed Me. 
except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. Now remember, as we're reading these verses, remember this is a previous generation that we're talking about. So only Joshua and Caleb are going to remember exactly what happened. And so Moses is reminding this new generation, this is what happened to Israel. They've already been discouraged once. And they can't be discouraged again. And that's exactly what Reuben and Gad would do if they did not go with them. And so he is reminding them of the events of, of their coming from Egypt and they're coming to Canaan, going into the land, which we've all already read about, and the ten spies coming back. But this is a new generation. These are a new group of people that are hearing these things. And they probably heard stories and things of that nature growing up. But this is a new group of people. And so Moses is reminding them of what had happened previously. So we pick up in verse 13. So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel. He made them wander in the wilderness... Forty years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. And look, you have risen in your father's place, a brood of sinful men, to increase still, the, still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. For if you turn away from following him, he will once again leave them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all these people. Verse 20, And Moses said to them, If you do this thing... If you arm yourselves before the Lord for the war, and all your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he is driven out his enemies from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward you may return to be blameless before the Lord and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. Verse 23, But if you do not do so, then take note which is a good reminder for us also to take note of what is being said. Then take note, you have sinned against the Lord. And be sure, your sin will find you out. Your sin will find you out. Build cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep and do what is proceeded out of your mouth. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spoke to Moses, saying, Your servant will do as my Lord commands. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our livestock will be there in the cities of Gilead, but your servants will cross over, every man armed for war before the Lord to battle, just as my Lord says. So they did. They, they went forward. They agreed to go into battle with the children of Israel, not to become a discouragement, not to destroy the people in that way. And so Israel goes into Canaan. But what happens later is very interesting in regard to Reuben and Gad, these tribes that initially didn't want to go into the land of promise with Israel. And we have to read it later in Scripture, but in 1 Chronicles chapter 5. 1 Chronicles chapter 5, and let's read verses 23 through 26. 1 Chronicles chapter 5, beginning with verse 23. 
So the children of the half-tribe of Manasseh dwelt in the land. Their numbers increased from Bashan to Baal Hermon, that is, to Sinir, to or Mount Hermon. Verse 24, these were the heads of their father's houses, Ephor, Yeshai, Eliel, Azrael, Jeremiah, Hodaviah, Jediel. They were mighty men of valor, famous men and heads of their father's houses. But read very carefully what it says in verse 25 of 1 Chronicles chapter 5. And they were unfaithful. They were unfaithful to the God of their fathers. And played the harlot after the gods of the peoples of the land whom God had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria, that is, Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria. He carried the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh into captivity. He took them to Halah, Habor, Hara, and the river of Gozan to this day, the day of this writing. When they went back to take the land east of Jordan, they practically isolated themselves from the rest of Israel. Not completely. They were still numbered with Israel. But they had somewhat isolated themselves from their brethren and the other tribes. And what we need to remember about Reuben and Gad is that in this isolation from Israel that they were unfaithful to the God of their fathers. It says that they played the harlot after the gods of the peoples. They pursued the gods of other nations that, that had been there previously, which is often what happened whenever uh, Israel especially would move into a nation. God would tell them to destroy all those people because they would be influenced by them. Well, that's kind of what happens. They go into these lands and they are influenced by the gods of the peoples before them. And they, because of their unfaithfulness, they went into captivity. They were punished. And it's just a good lesson for us to remember that whenever we isolate ourselves from brethren, it is certainly more tempting for us to go into the ways of the world, to be tempted by the temptations of the world and those around us. But they, in particular, were unfaithful. And that pretty well summarizes the book of Numbers. I think we've done a pretty good job with it. And I hope the lessons have been helpful to you. I'll conclude with a couple of lessons that we can learn. One from Balaam and one from Reuben and Gad. First of all, as Balaam did, we must speak the words of the Lord always consulting His counsel in every situation. And what is the counsel of the Lord for us today? The Bible. The Word of God. He has given us His will, His desire for us as His people. And it is important that we honor His will. We do so as the church. And it is the, the plea of the churches of Christ that we speak where the Bible speaks 
And we remain silent where the Bible is silent, respecting and honoring the authority of the Scriptures. But even more so, we need to do it as individuals as well. Balaam, an individual, was hired to curse Israel, and he said, let me consult the will of God, and I'll do whatever the Lord tells me. Even being from a pagan nation, he still consulted the Lord for his will and what he had been commissioned to do to Israel. And we see that God's hand was definitely upon Balaam as he blessed Israel before its enemies. Only by the will of God we have a story of a man riding on a donkey, striking the donkey, being spoken to by the donkey. Only by the power of God could something like that happen. And certainly in His blessings upon Israel, we see God involved. So we are reminded too that we must speak the words of the Lord always and always consult His will in every situation we may face. Then we also have a lesson from Reuben and Gad who again isolated themselves from the rest of Israel and ultimately paid the price in unfaithfulness pursuing the gods and idols of the people of the land before them. They isolated themselves from their brethren and they were easily led into practicing things that were foreign to anything that they had been taught through the will of God. That they started pursuing the gods and idols, uh, things of a people before them in the land that they took to inherit for themselves. What happens when we isolate ourselves from God's people today? I think you can answer that, but I'm going to save the the rest of that for our devotional tonight if you're able to to be online and, and be present for that. And we'll talk about what happens to us when we isolate ourselves from God's people today. I leave the lesson with you. And of course we we close. We always offer an invitation. And we're going to do that today. If you're not a faithful child of God. If you've not become a Christian. If you've not obeyed the gospel. We know what we're told in the New Testament that we need to do. That by faith. We first have to believe. Hearing and believing by faith. We are obedient. In repentance. In confession of our faith before men. Before brethren. And we are baptized for the remission of our sins. Just as the command is given to the Jews, just as it's given to the Gentiles in the book of Acts, so the command is given to us as New Testament, uh, to be New Testament Christians. And if you've not remained faithful, if you need to come back, if you need to come in repentance, if there's something that you've done, if you need to ask for prayers or help in any way, then the invitation is for you. It's the Lord's invitation. And we offer that invitation to you. If you are in need of responding, then please do. As together we stand and as we sing.